What's up, guys? This is football running back Sam Slade, and you are listening to the State of Marauders podcast, sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state of New Jersey for high school sports. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the State of the Marauders podcast, where we will cover everything about your St. Peter's Prep Marauders. This week, we're going to discuss how the spring programs have fared. There was a lot of big matchups for your Marauders, so we're going to discuss all that. Also, on the State of the Marauders hotline this week, we're going to have someone who is very, very dear to the podcast, and NJ Advanced Media High School Sports B reporter, Pat Lanning, and... Once again, the big man himself, Rich Hansen, he'll be on for his segment of the 80s Corner to get his thoughts on everything that happened with your Marauders. So stay tuned for that. You can always find us on your listening devices, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, anything else podcast-related, we're there. So be sure to search State of the Marauders or click on our social media profile at SOT Marauders to see all of the exclusive Marauder content. As always, I am your host, Renato Rodriguez, along with my excellent co-host, Jay Post. Chris is not unable to be on this week due to some, some things he has to work on for school. So, Jay, how are we feeling this week, buddy? Well, pretty terrible, if I'm being totally honest. It's finals week. That's not great. Prep Athletics had an underwhelming week. You know, not a bad week, but comparably, you could have done better, you know? So that's not great, you know, in the, in the sake of being blunt and totally honest with this podcast, which we are going to strive to do. We're going to be biased, but we're also going to be transparent <laughs> is my personal goal for this this podcast. So that wasn't amazing. And, you know, finals week, you know, Chris has had to take a leave of absence because of his mine aren't as bad. But, you know, it's still kind of rough. So hopefully we'll get through it and we'll be back next week a little better. And we're going to talk about everything that happened this week with your Marauders, talk about the ups and downs. But... It's been rumored for weeks now, Jay, that we needed the answer for the whole esports debate. And the questions are, can esports be considered an NJSIA sport? And is PrEP the number one esports program in the state? You've been debating about this for weeks. And now we finally got some answers to those questions, plus more, as we talk with this week's guest on the State of Morris Hotline, the one, the only, Pat Lanny. Welcome to the State of the Marauders Hotline, sponsored by Siabra's Market, located on 1315 Galloping Hill Road in Union, New Jersey. You'll find a huge variety of products in our stores, from the freshest fruit and vegetables to the tastiest meat and fish. Visit your local Siabra's Market store today. I am here with a very special guest, and this man has been mentioned many times on this podcast by, by Chris and Jay. He is the B reporter for NJ Advanced Media in wrestling and football. He's been on the force for about nine years now. So let's welcome in the one and only Pat Lanny. Pat, how are we feeling today, buddy? Hey, you know, besides the allergies, uh, the start of spring, I'm, I'm doing great. Happy that this crazy wrestling season has kind of winded down and I uh, can literally enjoy my life again, have some free time. So that's good. And we'll, we'll talk about that, that crazily wrestling scene. We'll talk about how the Marauders did for, for wrestling as well. But first, talk to us about the vision to become the reporter that you are today. What were the steps and aspirations that made you want to become the journalist that you are? Honestly, it's been a, a crazy journey. We're both crazy uh, animals in this world. Anyway, the, how I got into this job, 
Uh, I just always loved sports, honestly, and I wanted to stay involved any way I could. I was a pretty below average athlete in high school. I did like track and cross country, but you know, I was I was never going to be a guy in the newspaper or anything like that. But I, I just always loved sports, and so when I was in college, I just started working at the the, the student newspaper at Rutgers where I went and just started doing some sports and, and stuck with it. Got my foot in the door at the Star Ledger as an intern. And I've been there ever since in some capacity. So that's going on about 10 years now. So feel blessed to be in this role. And it's been exciting and a true honor to cover all these kids in New Jersey. And for anyone listening out there that wants to become a Porter just like you, what, what advice would you give them? I always say just, you really gotta, you gotta go above and beyond. You really do. It's such a competitive industry and tough to break into. You need a little bit of luck. I feel like I came in at a good time, right? As NJ Advanced Media was kind of taking off and kind of switching over from print to digital. NJ.com kind of surpassing the Star Ledger in, in that regard. So they were kind of looking for some young, digitally oriented guys who knew how to operate on the web and, and be multifaceted in that regard. So guys who could do you know, video, like podcasts, different types of media, as opposed to just print. And like I said, it was luck, determination, hard work, and the combination of those three <laughs> was the winning formula for me. But for anybody out there trying to break into the business, I, I think more so than studying, going to school, getting your degree, the best thing is go out. There's a, there's a million sites out there who are always looking for bloggers and things like that and it really is just like if you're playing quarterback or you know you're in the wrestling room it's it's about reps it's about repetition and working on your craft so the more you do it the better you're going to be so hard work determination luck and practice 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 like those are all cliches but truly yeah. that's 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 what it takes and that you can apply that to, to any any profession. Like even for like like me as a meteorologist and as a teacher now, like that was the same thing too. Like, you know, hard work, patience, and just keep practicing your craft. So so those, those are so those are really, really great advice, Pat. So with the wrestling season now over, right? As you just mentioned, the crazy wrestling season that it was, yeah, give really us was. your thoughts on a whole on the state level, and then talk to us about how you think our Marauders did this year and what the future of the program holds. I think. What's important to know about 2021, obviously with the pandemic and the NJSA having to adjust its season, the most important thing was that there was a season, <laughs> first yeah. of all, because yeah. there were, you know, if you're thinking back to a year ago when the, when the whole pandemic started, if you told me we were going to have a wrestling season, I would tell you, you're, you're, you're crazy, you know, I mean, come mm -hmm. on, like, th there's not a more high risk sport out there and then and wrestling and so so let's start with that hats off to the njsaa for for having a vision working within parameters to make the sport as safe as possible for student athletes coaches reporters etc they made adjustments to the season to to push it back so it didn't the 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 six weeks that it was the wrestling season was kind of in this hybrid season three-ish thing that they came up with. So that was all different. You know, there were, there were only six weeks. The whole postseason was different. Qualifying for the state tournament was different. 
teams got in a handful of duels when they could. Obviously, there were so many teams that had issues with COVID or exposures. And mm. as we've seen with every sport, staying on the mat was, was a difficulty in itself. So the, the really the, the important thing to know about the season was that there was a season. And, and, and the goal was to crown 14 state champions at the end. That's, that's like the, the crown jewel of high school wrestling is to be a state champion. It's such a unique and honestly, in my opinion, it's the hardest state title to win. And, and people in wrestling say that in the entire country, because a lot of other states have multiple classes or group sizes mm -hmm. for their state champions. Yeah. Not here in New Jersey. We have a, the purest, best, you know, you're the best kid in New Jersey at your weight class. And, and that's unique and special. And JSA kept that goal in mind at the end, and we wrapped it up on Sunday at Phillipsburg High School, which was a big change. Usually the state tournament's in Atlantic City, and it's this mm. three-day spectacular event at Boardwalk Hall. The lights, the crowd, all that's amazing. But this year, it was completely different. Wrestlers wrestled straight through on one day, four matches yeah. to win a state title. Only parents were allowed in. It was in a high school gym, not Atlantic City. So, I mean, everything was different, but the end goal stayed the same and, and we got there and that's what the season was all about. Let me jump into the part about the Marauders now, because that's why we're all here, right? So, <laughs> the state of the Marauders for wrestling, from my perspective, I think was a really a, a successful season in the sense that you had a lot of good guys get to develop you could see that young talent kind of progressing in the lower ways and then those special seniors that have been a part of this program three four years you know the sean Randiros, felix latini pat adams all those guys put a successful wrap on the season some i think would be happier with the way they finished than others but i would i would say as a whole this crazy season it was a success a because like i said st peter's prep I don't think had any shutdowns, if, I'm, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, no, they no were shutdowns. smooth across, which right. is which is awesome. And and you know Sean Rendiro, I thought had one of the best tournaments of any wrestler, you know that I cover finishing fourth. And the way that he did it at 132 pounds was so special. Like he avenged two losses on his way to finishing fourth. Right. And anytime someone does that, I think it's a true testament to their character because. You know, he, he lost early to the guy, Nico Nardone from Del Barton, who's one of the best kids, you know, in the state at the weight. But he didn't, he didn't hang his head after that. He came back in the wrestlebacks and beat two guys that he had previous losses to. So that was, that was a spectacular performance for him. Pat Adams was the other state qualifier for St. Peter's. And, you know, he had another, uh, you know, maybe it's maybe a little disappointing run in Phillipsburg, but overall a great career for both those guys. I, I I think Pat Adams won 100 matches, which is always, uh, yeah. you know, a great thing for a wrestler. And, you know, now, you know, kids are getting 30 matches a year. But this year, you know, they got 8 right. to 15. So a, a true a true testament there. So we have started spring sports last week. Uh, it can only mean one thing, right? That means it's almost time for the summer and for football all season workouts. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. So that's all it means. Right. <laughs> so the Marauders are going to bring in a new face, a quarterback, other positions too. So I know it's, again, it's very too early, but, but what is your early preseason take on this new look Marauders football team? 
from what I know, obviously you guys know a lot more than I do being a part of the program and seeing it every day. But I do know this. I do know that Rich Hansen III has been preparing for this new job, has been the guy, you know, doing, doing so many things behind the scenes over there on that coaching staff. I, I think he's going to do a great job as the head coach. He's got great guys around him. Ryan Flaherty, you know, a tremendous offensive coordinator. You know, I, I think even though Rich Hansen had, you know, 40 years there as head coach, he's still, he's been, he's been preparing for this transition. And what I'm trying to say is that not a whole lot is going to change. Prep is still going to be prep. They're still going to be competing for a state title every single year. In terms of personnel, things like that. I'm going to rely on you a little bit more here. You could tell me about it because truly, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't been talking to a lot of football people recently, but I do know yeah. that uh, I have seen a lot of talk about the quarterback. I think Champ Long is his yes. name. I, I've heard some, some great things, and I've heard that he's going to kind of continue this St. Peter's Prep quarterback tradition, obviously going back, you know, even before Wimbush, the, the run they've had. Of, of just great quarterbacks and that's what you know you can't can't have a great high school football team without a guy slinging the football and and handling it so if he's the guy that everyone's making him out to be i think the marauders are going to be in great shape so two interesting things also happen in this quote-unquote offseason for football the first is that cena hall prep is now in the marauders of this that's going to be an interesting thing coming up in the fall where they're going to play each other in a rematch of last year's upset at Scene Hall, which was a crazy game, as many of you yeah. guys know. That was, that was an insane game. I this was time that on my couch, actually. Yes, I, I, I do remember that. That, that. that was a crazy game. It was yeah. too cold, class. Too cold. Too cold. Oh, it was brutal. Was it that bad? Yeah, the, the, the winds and the temperatures uh, are just... My, 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 hands, my hands were numb. Right? My at hands Scene Hall? At Scene Hall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that field, I don't know why. But there are some fields that are just like absolutely brutal. I mean, Cave and Point is one of them. So, yes. so you already know, Cave and Point is absolutely brutal with the wind whipping off the river there. Right. But uh, Seton Hall is up on the top of that hill up there. It's like whatever, it's not a mountain range, but whatever ridge it is in like Essex County over there, all the way up there, the wind is always, it's always 20 degrees colder at that field. I've covered a game there where it was so foggy. I couldn't even see what was happening on the field. Oh, gee. <laughs> I was like, forget about seeing like the numbers or anything. I couldn't even see the ball. And oh, I, it, that, that feels like a freak. You're a meteorologist. I mean, you understand it. I don't know what it is. Maybe you could break it down, the climatology of uh, West Orange up on the mountain there. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 that's a cold place. That's a cold place. And anytime you get like higher than like two thousand feet, you start bringing in like that the change in temperatures is like so drastic. Yeah. The fronts come in; it's just oh, it's brutal. And then, secondly, Saint Joe's Regional will be not public group three and not in group four because of the Roman. So, what what do you what what's your thoughts about that? Well, to go back to the Seton Hall thing, I, I really think that the last two years and Bill Fitzgerald has just done an absolute amazing job with the program. He's a, he's, he's a tremendous coach. And the last two years, right. They've had big upsets over like St. Joe's and then beat prep last year. But I think a lot of it is great coaching. And when you're in situations like that and you're well-prepared and your players are, 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 
mentally focused and equipped to handle competition like that, it's not so much an upset. And what I'm trying to say is this year, I think Seton Hall is going to be really good. I think they're going to be a team that's right at the top of the rankings and, and not, you know, you always think of like the big six, Bergen Catholic, Bosco, Joe's, those teams, right? St. Peter's. Seton Hall's kind of always been on the, a little bit of the outside of that recently, but I think next year, I think, forget that moniker. I think Seton Hall's going to be one of the top teams and it'll be a tough, it'll be a tough competition, tough league game for St. Peter's next year. No doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And St. Joe's being in group three, that's, it's always like, (laughs) I don't know. They're like right on the borderline of three and four every year, every year, right? Like sometimes they're in three, sometimes they're in four, but however, it is, it is, it is. I mean, they had such a great run St. Joe's the last few years. And Uh I think, They'll they'll still be obviously a, a really a really good program, of course, oh. no doubt. Like, but I think they're going to have a little bit of a rebuild this year after losing so many talented seniors. I think they had like seven guys D one last year, including the state player of the year. You know, right. Audrey Estime, the stud running back going to Notre Dame. So, no Estime. I think they got to rebuild the offensive line a bit. So, I think they'll still probably be the team to beat in, in Group Three. Don't get me wrong, but. I don't think they're going to be the, the that number one team that they've been the last couple of years. So, so we'll see. We'll see. We got we got a long ways to go before we talk about football. So yeah, I, I know you're throwing me on the spot with I football. Know, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mister Rodriguez. I thought we were talking prep wrestling here. <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to let in for the viewers. You know, viewers know you for the football a lot. So I just want to yeah. put, put, a, put a couple questions about the football in there. So what do you know about the football? Like, what are you, what are you hearing about prep this year? What, what's your insight? It's, it's going to be an interesting football year. Cause you know, they're, they're losing, uh, uh, you know, Taj Bullock, one of the best quarterbacks to ever come to the program. My, my, my opinion. So that's going to be interesting to see how, how champ develops and the quarterback role. They're also losing uh, Jalen Sanchez. He's transferring to St. Thomas Aquinas of Florida. So that's going to be a, a big piece of receiver that they're losing, but they're also bringing back, Sam Slatham and Paul Welkowitz in the back, yeah. which is big for the Marauders, especially because they like to run the ball a lot. So those two guys having them back is going to be very helpful for for Champ and developing the offense. Do you think they go a little bit more run heavy than they've been? Uh, obviously, the quarterback's been a a run very capable runner the last few years. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's kind of like time you got these two stud running backs? Let's see a little more uh, run game. Yeah, I, I I could see that. I could see the Marauders start to lean more like with Luck, especially like on first down goal, like Luck Wirtz. Maybe use Samson like a Le'Veon Bell type of guy. Like you use him yeah, on the yeah. field. You use him as a main running back. So they could use him in a, in, in a multitude of ways. But it's going to be interesting seeing this summer, like what, what's going to happen, like how, how they're going to develop that offense. It's going to be interesting. For sure. For sure. I mean, that kid, Paul Lefkowitz, I see videos of him lifting on Twitter. I mean, that kid's a, he's a freak. Might be the strongest <laughs> kid in the league. He's good, man. He, he's something. He's something. So I love Paul. He's my guy. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So I'm, I'm going to say the one one last question, Pat. I, and you know that the biggest question that we have for you has to be about esports because you know Chris. Chris, oh. <laughs> Chris this is great. Chris Jay, I'm glad you asked. Chris, Chris and Jay love to talk about the esports. They've been they've been debating for weeks now about if the, the sport should be considered an NJSIA sport or not. And, and 
is the more is the number one team in New Jersey esports in your mind? So so well, tell the viewers what you I think about believe, this. E-sports. I can't believe you're asking this question because it's too funny. I'm literally sitting next to the head of the NJSIA at the wrestling tournament talking about a, mil- a million different things. But one of the things I asked her, I swear to God, I'm not even lying, Colleen McGuire, I asked her. So esports, like this is going to be the next big thing at the NJSIA, right? And she looks at me and she goes, Todd. It's a club. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. I can't there it do it. So there's your answer. I'm not even joking. I asked the head of the NJSA that question, and she said that she acknowledges that it is a big deal, uh-huh. and they are monitoring the e-gaming scene, okay. they being the NJSIA. But for now, e-sports is just a club sport, and that's how the NJSA AA is viewing it at this point, regardless of how much the State of the Marauders podcast <laughs> is promoting esports, and regardless of how good the Marauder esports team is. Unfortunately, sorry to break the news. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually talked with the head of the esports club, uh, Mr. Mercia, today. Actually, they said they got about sixty members now. They have to be cutting people. There you go. There you so, go. So it's working. It's working. It's working. I mean, that, that's way more than like, you know, kids coming out for football at a lot of schools. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, mean, that's, uh, I mean, I went to a group two school and if we had 60 kids playing football, it'd be like, it'd be an amazing thing. Right. Right. So there you have it. There's the answer, ladies and gentlemen. Esports. All right. It's Maybe not- by the time my career comes to an end, though. Hopefully. Cross your fingers. All right. So thank you again, Pat for coming on this week's episode of the podcast. We really appreciate everything that you do for New Jersey high school sports. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is awesome. We'd love to do it again. Oh, absolutely. We, we're going to get you back on, Pat. Don't worry. We're going to get you back. You're coming on. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. So long, Marauders. Good seeing you all. Thank you to Pat for coming on. It means a lot to us to have someone who was well-known in the high school community as him to be able to spend a little time with us this week. Also, we here on the State of Morales podcast would like to wish a happy birthday as he turns 30 years old on Monday. So happy birthday, Pat. All right. Thank you for everything you do for the high school community. So, Jay, does this satisfy your questions and pleads from the last couple of weeks about esports? Well, I, 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 as always, respect Pat as a titan of the journalism industry for his continued transparency. He's a man of the people. He's willing to engage with our, you know, Little J podcast. He's, he's a man of the people, which I always enjoy about him. However, you know, he, he himself, I'm sure, knows that this is only step one of the movement, and we need the NJISSA to sanction it and uh, get an official decree on it. Because right now, though we have Pat's word and though we love Pat's word, we can do better, and we will do better. This movement is not over, but we do have a conclusive answer in the media industry, which is obviously very crucial for gaining momentum for the movement. Continue to, as Jay likes to say, reach out and contact the uh, commissioner, right, Jay? Respectfully, of course. Respectfully. Respectfully. Of course. So a key takeaway from this interview was that the wrestling program and how they have the talent to compete on the state level with the youth that they have in the lower weights, especially. And he also talked about a little bit with the football program. And, and trust me, we're going to have a lot more info on the football program this summer. 
it was good to even just to get a little glimpse of what to expect in the fall. So once again, that was Pat Lanning. Thank you so much for coming on this week's episode. So we're going to talk about this week's action for Mars. I mean, as we mentioned in the beginning, it was a bit of an up and down. But let's talk about the golf team first. They had two matches this week. They defeated Blair for the first time in school history. They won 219 to 238. Remember, lower score wins in golf. They had a par 35 course that they competed on. Liam Richardson shot a 39, which is a plus four. Titus Cook shot a 40, which is plus five. Santa Petroselli shot a 43 for a plus eight. And then Garrick Shannon shot a 45 for a plus 10. But they had a rematch against Don Bosco. They won early in the season, but this time they took the L as they lost 163 to 155 and on par 36 course this time. So they split the series one apiece. Titus Cook shot a 38, which is plus two. Garrick Shannon shot a 40, plus four. Jack Goble shot a 42, which is a plus six. Liam Richardson shot a 43, which is plus seven. And Kevin Gomes shot a 46, which is a plus 10. Your golf Marauders are now two and three on the season. And for more updates, make sure you follow at SPP underscore golf on Twitter for all of your updates. Now, let's... Talk about the lacrosse team a little bit, and uh, it was it's it's been a rough rough start for the Lakshas out there. You know they're zero three to start the season. The opener was against Oratory Prep. They lost ten to eight. You know they were down early. They tried to call the way back, but they couldn't get that elusive ninth and ten goals to tie the game. JD Farkas he had a great game, three goals and assist. Colin Williams with three goals as well. Brian Kelly and Juice Sargent with one goal each. So, tough loss there. If you guys followed me on Twitter, at SPP, I was at the home opener lacrosse game against Morristown. Both teams started out strong. It was 3-3 in the second quarter. But then Morristown rallied at the end. They went on a 10-2 run from that point on, as the Marauders would lose 13-5. Kenny Brown with two goals. Colin Williams with two goals. And J.D. Farkas had one goal, and he got injured late in the game, could not return, which impacted them in their next game, which is back-to-back against Amanda home, which they lost, yes, 15-1. That was a tough, tough loss. You know, Colin Williams had the only goal, but I know starting off 0-3, the boys are not happy. So hopefully, as we'll listen to Rich Hansen starts later, they can start getting their, their momentum going as they, they, they progress this week. So for all your updates, make sure you follow at SP Prep Across on Twitter and Instagram for all of your lacrosse updates. So we have once again our residential volleyball expert, Jay Post, to talk about how the volleyball team this week did. So Jay, talk to us about the volleyball squad this week. A pretty up and down week for volleyball to say the least. You know, you opened up with a 2-1 loss to Bergenfield. You won the first set. 25 to 17, and then you lost the next two, 20 to 25, 19 to 25. Andrew Fernandez has come to the lineup in a revelation. 23 digs, three assists, two service points, two aces, but that was not enough because, uh, you know, Timothy Menes, Aiden Napito, Joe Priest also had some strong games, but, you know, not enough statistically to really put them over the top and a rough loss to Bergenfield. They then got three straight wins in the county, you know, to McNair and Snyder, both in straight sets, both are games, you know, traditionally – Prep has been able to win without much difficulty. You know, a big win came against Harrison in the middle of the week. Harrison's a, an opponent that you you got to circle on the calendar here in Hudson County as a team that, you know, along with Carney and Bayonne usually 
are the three, the big three in county games that are going to matter, at least in terms of racing for the county title. They got a win in Harrison. They went away and got a win. They lost the first set 19-25 and then came back to win the next two sets 25-23. to Timothy Manos put up 29 assists, 18 digs, wow. a on a block. Aiden Pito with 17 kills, 9 gigs, 3 service points. Ryan Karbanichek chipped in 6 service points. An ace, 5 kills, 2 digs, and a block. And Matt Cornell came to the lineup with 14 digs, 4 service points, and 1 kill. So a nice all-around game for the Marauders against an opponent that, you know, traditionally they haven't struggled with per se, but, you know, they, it's always been a tough fight against Harrison. You know, it's a team that you have to get past if you want to have a shot at winning the county title every year, which, you know, for the team, that that is a goal and an expectation as much as it is a goal. So that was a nice win. Unfortunately, it closed off on a pretty bad note against Christian Brothers Academy, nominally the number three team in the state, probably, you know, in, in terms of tier ranking, it's, it's in the top tier. And, uh, you know, they, it showed, you know, that there's there's a gap right now between a pretty inexperienced Marauders team and a CBA team. Timothy Jimenez with 11 assists, five digs, and one block. Andrew Fernandez got 10 digs. Pius Mumba stepped up with three kills and a dig. But really, this was just a rough game all around. You know, CBA was dominating them on the set. You know, they won 12 to 25 and then 15 to 25. So pretty, you know, dominant performance for the Christian Brothers Academy. And it's a game that prep is really going to need to build from because these are the teams that you want to, you need to beat if you need to compete on the state level. So, you know, it shows that in the upcoming games, you know, you got a contest with J.P. Stevens this week, and then you got a, a nice, you know, run of county games that you got to really build up your form. You got to iron out some of the, you know, mistakes. Because mistakes will come early in the season, you know, making a mistake. You know, every team that's inexperienced are going to have some things to work out. So uh, this team's going to have a nice little stretch of county games to work them out because if you're going to have to make another run at the States, which they did last time they, you know, they played in 2019, you know, you're going to need to beat a team like CBA at some point. So it's going to be a, it was learning experience from the Marauders, but a pretty rough one at that. So make sure you follow at SPPVBall on Instagram for all of your volleyball updates. I will be at a few of the volleyball matches, but, but stay tuned to find out which ones I'm going to be at this week. So Jay, talk to us about how the tennis squad did this week. The tennis squad, you know, a much better week than volleyball, I'd say. Well, not much better, but a positive week, I'd say, overall. You got a win over Dickinson. That was, you know, 3-2, pretty close, but a win is a win. Gerald De La Cruz and Emmett Wilson defeated Kush Patel and Gabriel Layden, 6-4-6-2. Jack Rousseau and Jeremy Cam Burke defeated Run Patel and Schlock Walgood, 6-2-6-1. And the, the decider came when Vip, Vipul uh, Kafla-Kondov beat Anto Sushin Anto Kasunil, 6-4-7-6. So a close win over Dickinson, but Dickinson's no easy out in county play. So that was, you know, a, a nice feather in the Marauders cap as they look to finish, you know, county play later this month. They lost 0-5 to five Seton Hall prep. You know, that's just, I, I'm not going to commentate on that. that that's rough. I, I do not want to validate any Seton Hall prep success. They then won 4-1 to one over Carney. Total domination, Anthony Crisicos defeat Camilo Zamuda, 6-3-6-3. Andrew Lee defeat Filippo Montesanto Piscardo, 6-4-6-7-1-0. Gerald De La Cruz. Emmett Wilson beat Adrian Da Silva and Rafael Galliano 6-3-6-2 in what's becoming a trend for the, the Marauders' big hitters. And Jeremy Camber and Jack Rousseau defeat David Soto and Eric Montoro 7-5-6-4. So, I mean, 2 and one week for the Marauder tennis squad. 4-2 uh, and two on the season. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a nice uh, run of form. Once again, like volleyball, you got big county stretch coming up for the, the tennis team. And, you know, those are the games where you really can iron out any minor issues. You know, uh, those are the games where you want to you know, really book up your resume heading into the end of the year where you want to look to win that county title. And make sure you follow at SPP Tennis on Instagram for all your tennis updates. For the outdoor track guys, they completed in the Hudson County Relays. More good results of the program. They would win the overall meet. 
Some records were broken. Fitzroy Legister had a 23-5 in the long jump, which is good enough to meet the national second team standard. And also the 600 meters per relay team of Sammy Slade, Fitzroy Legister, Joey Marone, and Edwin Clinkley had a time of 335.90, which also met the national second team standard as well. So great job to those guys. The team of Alex Schimmel, Terran Moran, Edwin Clinkley, and Rodolfo Sanchez won the 4x1600 meter relay in 1831.76. The team of Pat McCabe, Rodolfo Sanchez, Joshua Tolariello, and Jack Lynn won the 4x800 meter relay in 852.38. Joey Marone won the 400 meter hurdles in 57.56. The team of Jeff Franqui, Jack Sipoli, Jack Lynn, and Alex Schimmel won the distance medley relay in 11.35.15. Nick Chappello had a 102.10 and won the discus throw relay. And he would also hit a 117.01 in the javelin throw relay to win that one as well. And keynote for there, Eric Perez finished second with a 112. Lastly, Landers Green won the triple jump relay in 40.04. So as always, follow at SPP underscore XCTF on both Twitter and Instagram for all of the track and field updates. So, Jay, talk to us about the crew squad. How the crew squad did this week? The crew squad. You know, they only had one race that we can document. They finished fourth in the Manny Flick last week, but we are awaiting their results for the second game of the week. So we'll get to you on that when we have them next week, and you can continue following Marauder Rowing on Instagram for live stream and other updates. But they placed fourth in the one race that we do have, so that's a pretty quick update. So the rugby squad had two losses to start off the season against Delby and St. Augustine. They lost 55-7 over Delby and 59-0 over St. Augustine. Tough, tough losses. Just throughout the year. But as always, follow at SPP Rugby Instagram for all of the latest updates there. Now, normally, last but not least, I would update you all on the baseball squad. But we have the residential baseball expert. His name, Kevin Conley, class 2016, a D1 Media Pro. He's going to give us his breakdown of the team this week. So, Kevin, take it away, buddy. Thanks, Renato. So, with the St. Peter's Prep baseball team, I've really liked what I've seen. You've won seven in a row. Those seven games are sandwiched between losses on opening day to Gill St. Bernard's and then in the Thank You Classic to Milburn. And those two games were tough. I give them a lot of credit. They battled back after a tough beginning against Milburn. And then on opening day against Gill St. Bernard's, they just weren't able to get anything going. But in those seven game, that seven-game win streak, Specifically in the three wins against non-conference teams, against Ramapo, against Old Bridge, and against Old Tapan, I-, I saw a lot to like. Go to that Old Tapan game, and that was a really weird game. That was so, like, they get up early, and then Old Tapan starts making this comeback charge, and then they had the resilience to stay with it and tack on at the end. And when you look at the final score, it's like 11-6. And you're like, okay, not, not bad. They showed the resilience. Old Japan gave them a, a scare. They came away. They put the game away in the sixth or seventh inning. And the same thing against Old Bridge. You get up early. You get up big early. Old Bridge keeps chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And then the top of the seventh, you add insurance runs to give yourself more breathing room in that bottom of the seventh inning. And that, been, that was great for this team. And again, after that uh, Old Bridge game, they followed that up with some pretty convincing conference wins. And then obviously the most recent loss to... Milburn, so we'll see where they go from here. And when you talk about going from here, they're back at home on Monday against Ferris at 7.30. And then you start a three-game road trip 
at St. Joe's Montville, which is always a good program, always a tough place to play, always a really good team. Then you go on the road against probably your fiercest rival in Hudson County in Bayonne, who had just gotten their season underway after a brief pause around opening day. And they're playing really good baseball. You know that place, even socially distanced and limited capacity, that place is going to be jacked up because it always is when St. Peter's is coming in. It's a 4.30 game. Normally, that's a night game. I remember when I played there in 2016, my senior year, I think it was that might have been the first time the, the turf was there, that prep played there, and it was a 7.30 game. The game before us really got delayed, so we didn't start closure until like 8.30. I think it was Marist and somebody playing before us. That game went into like nine innings, so we didn't start close from like around 8.30 to 9 o'clock. And the first inning, Nick Cervone hit a grand slam and absolutely shut the place up. And then he was pitching, he went on the mound, he was just tossing zeros up there. That was an absolute great game. It was absolutely packed. The place was jumping. It was like a playoff atmosphere. I don't know if that's what it's going to be like this week on May 5th, but we're certainly going to see it should be a great game. And then Snyder, and then on the weekend, two non-conference games against Randolph and Pope John. Pope John is a top-10 team in the state. So the Marauders are going to be challenged again this week. I'm excited to see what they do. So it'll be interesting to see how they're going to respond going into this big week of the of the season because Coach Pat Laguerre, he challenged them. He's given them really good opponents, non-conference and conference, and they're playing a lot on consecutive days. So I'm interested to see what the Marauders do this week. And obviously you can catch all their games on the D1 Media Pro page on the NFHS Network. I'll be on the call for a vast majority of them. So hopefully all you listeners will join and watch on D1 Media Pro, St. Peter's Prep Baseball. It's been a blast so far. Hope you guys are along for the ride. I've had a blast calling these games so far. So send it back to you, to you, Renato, and hopefully everybody watches Prep Play this week. So follow at KevinConley24 and at SPP Baseball on Twitter for all of your baseball updates. For your matches of the week, since the schedule is always changing, always check out the Hudson County League website for all of the updates. And as I mentioned before, we're going to start a new segment each week that showcases where I will be live on the scenes to report on your Marauders, since, you know, I am a team reporter. So for this week, on Wednesday, I'm going to be at the Volleyball versus Carney at the Barn. So that's going to be at NJ.com Top 20 Special. That's a 4.30 start. Live stream on YouTube. Thursday, volleyball versus J.P. Stevens at the bar. 4.30 p.m. again, live stream on YouTube. Friday, baseball at Schneider at Lincoln Park at 4.30. That game will be live streamed on D1 Media Pro on the NFHS Network. And on Sunday, I'll be at baseball versus number nine in the state, Pope John. That's going to be at Caden Point, 1 p.m. star. And again, that game will be live streamed on D1 Media Pro. We wish all the prep athletes good luck this week. And that's going to wrap it up for another exciting episode of the State of Morals podcast. Be sure to spread the word by sharing our social media profile at SOT Marauders to everyone and continue to check them out for all of the latest updates with your Marauders. But as always, before we bid adieu, we want to close out this week's episode by presenting to you this week's edition of the AD's Corner. See you all next week, and as always, let's go prep. This is Rich Hansen, Prep's Athletic Director. Tune in to my segment on the State of Marauders podcast, the Athletic Director's Corner, for all things prep athletics. Insights, updates, 
scoops coming your way. Welcome to the AD's Corner, sponsored by the Tona Bene Group. They provide leadership solutions for nonprofit organizations, as well as professional fundraising, executive solutions, and sales for New Jersey businesses. For more information, call 201 932 0100 today. That's 201 932 0100. Hello, everyone. I am Renato Rodriguez. I am joined once again by the current athletic director, Rich Hansen. Rich, how are you feeling this week, buddy? Feel good. Feel good, Renato. How are you? Good, good, good. We're going to break down the whole week for me, Marauders, a little bit up and down. So. Let's run through the whole State of the Marauder program this week. We're starting to hit the meat and potatoes of the spring schedule. And let's first talk about the golf team. They had a big victory over Blair, which is the first time they have beaten them in their history. And then they would lose the rematch against Bosco later on in the week. So how are you feeling about this team now as they are 2-3 and three on the season? Yeah, Blair, Blair match was a big match. You know, anytime you do something for the first time, it's awesome. So... You know, again, they're young, but uh, talented. And Coach O'Flaherty is, is trying to build something. Hopefully, we can gain some momentum this week. And you know, listen, the the most, if you're a golfer, it's it's fun to be on a golf team and playing these great venues. So that's the most important component, and they're having some fun. So that's the key. And they got, you know, they got some fun coming up this week, and you know, hopefully. You know, I have the Paul on Tuesday at Upper Montclair. So hopefully we can get a W. Amen to that. Amen to that. So volleyball, they had five matches this week. So it was a really grueling schedule for them. They had an up and down week. They had some tough county opponents that they beat and some tough state opponents. So so talk to us about what you saw in these matches this week for the volleyball squad. Yeah, I talked to Coach Stewart in the gym before the Snyder match. And you know they got they're fighting for some consistency, but they're young, and I think that's you know very typical of young teams in any sport. So uh, as he and I discussed, and I've discussed with you, I think it's important for all of our all of our teams, and I consider all the spring teams young because we missed last year. So right. nobody knows nobody knows you know what what development curve is going to take place, but you would like to see everybody start to develop some consistency, and you know, and start really playing well for uh, stretch runs in the counties and the states. So for volleyball, they certainly have some ability. They've they've won some really big matches, and, and they've lost some disappointing ones. So hopefully we can start to pivot toward being more consistent, starting with Memorial tomorrow. And tennis, they, they've been held in strong. You know, they had a great week in county. Lost a tough one to Seen Hall Prep. Uh, the team is now 4-2 with about six games or so left before the county state tournaments begin there. So so what, what expectations do you have for the team as they close out their season? I would love us to start playing better outside the county. I think we get lulled into that, you know, kind of malaise and, and complacency because we, we tend to do well in the county. A memorial on Monday – is the next one up there. And, you know, I know speaking with their AD, uh, they're struggling in tennis. So he's not overly confident in their program. But, you know, say we do win a big win and get a big win and, and, and do well, that's great. And that's what we want to do. 
but we need to start competing better, more consistently out of the county. And and then we'll find out Wednesday, you know, Bayonne is always very strong in the county. We play we play Bayonne at Bayonne. So let's get through tomorrow and then, you know, probably with a win and then let's let's start building toward consistency. So, so those were the good programs. Unfortunately, you know, lacrosse rugby has really, really tough starts. You know, they both started 0-3, 0-2 respectively on the season. And they, they've put up a good fight at times in each of these games. But it seems like the slow starts really have gone to each of these programs. So based on what you've seen so far, what, what, what do you think is the reason why the teams have gone off to such a slow start? That's a great question, and if, uh, if I had the answer, I'd certainly share it and hopefully help correct it. But listen, you know, lacrosse and rugby both were in pauses. Right. It's it really takes time to gather yourself and you know and be able to play well. And then again, I keep using this word, but they're young, and you throw that in the mix, you know, with uh, lacrosse in particular, and and then you know, and, and you you have to you have to really exhibit something that I don't have a lot of patience, right? So I watched them play Friday. Yesterday, I was not a good game for us for lacrosse, but the bottom line is these kids, like I said, are coming off a pause and there's always the unknown there. So, you know, they, they just have to keep, you know, keep swinging. They'll, they'll be fine. They, they were competitive against Oratory. Right. They were competitive the other day against Morristown. So it's not like it's, you know, it's a blowout city every week. It's not like right. they, they, they don't have a clue. They do. It just takes time to to put positive plays back to back to back to back. And I think once they start being more consistent that way, they'll have a they'll have a good chance to to win some games. And that's what they need. They need a W for some confidence and then and then hopefully we can we can get it rolling. Right. I, I, I agree with that. So track and crew, they've they've gotten some, some great results this week. In the track, you know, they were in the Hudson County relays. They broke a couple of records. Fifth story, Ledgester in the long jump. The 1,600-meter team, they also broke some records, too, at the relays. And then the crew team also got fourth in the Manny Flick last week. So how, how proud of you of both of these programs to start off the spring season? Yeah, I, you know, track is, has been unbelievable. They were able to, you know, do that thing in the county relays, and, and that's a program that does do well outside the county. So it's good to to dominate the county. I think that was our sixth in a row, which is, you know, really exciting. Coach Caulfield and that staff do a really good job, and those kids love running. They love track. They love competing. Fitzroy broke yeah. uh, broke their school record and the county record, and uh, I think it's second second best or best in the state so far this year, maybe second best in the country. So yes. Um in a long jump. So, you know, they're they're performing well and they work really hard at it, as does crew. It's a special it's a special skill set and a special passion and they, they do well. Their fourth place finish is, is a great finish for them. And coach the cover hall does a great job with that with that program. So I think, you know, you kind of expect them to be successful both both track and crew. And so when that happens, it's it's almost like okay, good, we won again. That's great. But uh, you know, you never take never take those things for granted. That that's uh, that's a great week for those guys. And baseball, you know, they've gone out to a flying start in counting. They even won some state games as well. They had a seven game winning streak before they lost to Melbourne yesterday in the tough loss. They yep. played a very very condensed schedule, and, and, and it seems that 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 condensed schedule has really benefited them in the other going. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, well, the plan was to play as many games as possible for as long as right. we can and, and get them in, you know, between weather and COVID. You never know when there's going to be an issue. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had one game when I was looking forward to the Bergen game was postponed. Uh, Bergen had to postpone it because of an issue with the field at the park at Overpack with weather. But other than that, we've been able to play pretty much play our games. And, you know, I think baseball will be fine. You're not going to win them all. It's it's a good schedule. It's a team that's developing. And again, like I've said over and over, I think it's really important for us to start playing consistently across the board and get ready for the counties and, and the states. And uh, so there's no rush to anything here. We have big, you know, big, big schedule this week. I mean, this is an important week. And Ferris is, you know, probably us and Ferris are, are, and Bayonne are the three top teams in the county and get to play them tomorrow night. So we'll get a we'll get a true barometer of where we're at locally. You know, and, and then we go up to St. Joe's, you know, Mountainville, and they're always a beast. So Monday and Tuesday are going to be really, really, you know, telltale for us. And and then, you know, I, I can't say not – I just said the, the top three teams, I think, in the county are us, Ferris, and Bayonne. We have Ferris on Monday, Bayonne on, on Wednesday, and sandwiched between that is – you know, state ranked St. Joe's. So we're not pulling any punches, you know, we're putting our right. guys in great position to make some noise. And uh, again, it's about fine tuning stuff and just uh, working on our game. And I think that uh, Coach Laguerre will, uh, Coach Laguerre will get these guys going, uh, you know, two losses after nine games. It's, it's, it's a pretty good performance. So we get our pitching, we, 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 we keep our battle alive. We'll be okay. And that was legendary head coach and current athletic director Rich Hansen giving his thoughts on the state of the Marauders this week. Rich, thank you once again for coming on this week's episode of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Renato. Go prep. Hey, this is senior swimming and volleyball captain Timothy Jimenez, and you're listening to the State of the Marauders podcast sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state for high school sports.